Hi everybody, welcome back to um, this 16th, episode 16 podcast, I think. Um, I hope everybody's uh, okay. It's been a very, very strange week. Things have moved extremely quickly from uh, when I was just thinking today about what I was saying last week about, you know, we're a bit worried about, you know, musicians and... um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. People in, who sort of rely on that kind of economy for their for their living and um, things this week have really moved on very very quickly in the UK. Um, there's no uh, no gigs at all going on now. Uh, no music anywhere in any venues, uh, which is incredible, really, um, to think. You know that. Um, something that we take for granted so much um, just stops, you know, and so many people rely on it for their living and stuff. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, um, yeah, just hope everyone's okay. Um, It's been, um, yeah, a bit of adjustment this week. We, at work, we had, um, we did go in Monday. Um, I had a couple of colleagues at other uh, conservatoires in the UK who had uh, they were not going in um, <clears throat> from last week from uh, you know for the for the Monday I mean um, and uh, we went in Monday and very quickly it became obvious that um, they were trying to close things down very quickly and move everything kind of online which we were. Um, we were very well set up to do, actually, and uh, it was very, very efficient, the way in which uh, discussions were had, um, questions were asked, logistics were kind of uh, discussed and decided, and, um, yeah, very kind of sensible, just a very sensible kind of discussion was had about what what can be delivered that's meaningful and what can't be delivered. So we kind of in that position. So I... I I kind of came home Tuesday, uh, just after lunch. We had a long meeting at work um, on Tuesday, which was a little unfortunate that we had to have this meeting in the room together. There was a lot of people in that room, and um, it's just a just a thing for a personal from a personal perspective about um, my own circumstance, which I was I was kind of um, I'd rather have not been there really in that situation. But, you know, Monday I was teaching um, and it's just that thing, isn't it? you know, it's an unknown. You don't know who's who's got this uh, virus, who hasn't, whether you've got it or haven't, you know. You can be perfectly well and be walking around with it or you can be, um, you know, around somebody who's perfectly well very for, for a few moments who, um, you know, has it. It's kind of all obvious stuff. But I was sort of... From Tuesday afternoon, I just kind of came, the meeting finished and we were, um, we sort of made some decisions and I just came straight home and then I had all my, I've, I've just been home. I went out today for the first time, it's Sunday today. Me and my uh, better half, uh, she has a, an allotment, well we have an allotment but I take absolutely no credit in any way for the allotment situation. Yeah, I am a... Um, I am absolutely nowhere with uh, that kind of thing. 
But that's well, the one thing I'm very good at, which is reasonably disturbing, but um, it's just, you know, a skill. Um, I'm good at making fires. So uh, I get asked to go down... I get asked to go down for two reasons. One is to do kind of manual labour of helping move things around and generally getting bossed about, which um, I'm not very good at getting bossed about, but, you know, it's fine. Um, and the other thing I get asked to do is I get asked to burn things, <laughs> which is, you know, it's uh, one of those things. Years and years and years ago, I used to live in a house with a, a really... Um, an old friend of mine called John Shaw is a, a great guitarist, John, and he also is a guy who builds these amplifiers in the UK called Mambo Amps, and they're brilliant. And John's just a, just a clever guy. He was an engineer, uh, bright guy, very talented guitarist as well. Always had a great sound and great feel and stuff. I used to play a lot with John years and years and years ago. I haven't seen John for a long time, but I lived in his house for a while. Um in 95 um and john was um he was pretty eco switched on then this is way before anybody was thinking about you know eco this and eco that and blah 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 and we lived in a house well i, I lived in his house and he lived there with his girlfriend at the time and uh, we didn't use the central heating unless it was really really cold and it got very cold up there he sort of lived john lived up um, near where I grew up in a place called Birchvale near Hayfield which is sort of near New Mills and Glossop in that area of Derbyshire it's quite high up and it gets really quite cold in the, in the winter you know um, for because um, it's so damp you know it's not it's not cold like I've just been, I was in Norway over Christmas or, or somewhere you know like somewhere um, you know like Siberia or something well the, the thing about that climate that that part of the Manchester kind of climate and the the, the Peak District climate is it's damp, so it's just cold. You know, like things get you to the bone, and so we never had the central heat unless it got really really cold. And I lived there for in his house for a few months um, after I'd lived in Sweden and came back to the UK and was trying to kind of trying to find where I was trying to live, and I was sort of getting back into the music scene. And uh, John used to insist on making fires and uh we used to buy uh he used to buy coal it was um you know this kind of smoke-free coal and um i just got used to making fires every day and you know we'd have uh, do the newspaper bunches or sort of, you know put them in the newspapers up into kind of like um into a bow tie kind of shape and then you get your wood um and then you've got your coal so you, you you build up the fire to get the coal burning, basically. And, and the fire would be on all, just basically from when it was lit till we went, you know, all day it would just be. Then you look after a fire, you know, you have to you have to keep a fire going. So today I was at the allotment. I hadn't been there for a long time. And I got out of the house for the first time since Tuesday. Um, and, uh, yeah, just spent some time at the allotment. It was just me and my partner and, and for some of the people that were, kind of quite a way off you know it's a very nice place to go the sun was out today it was a beautiful day one of those lovely march days that you get um just just before the, the clocks are about to go forward and we're about to get our evenings back because um, it's now what time is it now quarter seven and the sun is just setting now i'm just looking out my summer house window at the drum shed and uh yeah it's um this time next week um yeah next saturday the clocks go forward for us uh, and yeah it will be 
it will be this light uh, near eight o'clock, which will be really nice. It will change things quite a lot, and it and kind of feels like it needs that at the moment because it's all a bit grim, isn't it? Um, so, but yeah, I, so this week I've not been out. But it, one of the things this week that I was waiting, I, I'd rung up. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of connected long term um, to a hospital in Manchester called the Christie, which is an amazing hospital. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of things have happened with my family. Uh, the Christie, even quite recently, very uh, sad things, sadly, um, with my family and to do with cancer and stuff. And uh, I have a, there's a team that I'm connected with because I had lymphoma in, in 2000, 2001. I, um, I had a mainline treatment which failed, uh, luckily for me, quite quickly. So the toxicity was not as... Uh, not as bad as it could have been if I'd had the whole treatment and it had failed. Uh, and I was quickly moved on to this uh, transplant, uh, stem cell transplant treatment, which I had in um, May 2001. Uh, and I went into, Christy went into isolation and did that. I was at the time, one of the, I think the quickest patient they'd ever had in and out. I did two weeks and four days from uh, going in, having the high-dose chemo, having my uh, stem cells, which were my own cells. They, they, they weren't, it wasn't a donor. It was my own cells. It's very clever what they do. It's amazing. They take these baby blood cells out of you. You know, you, you go on this human growth factor thing and then they put your uh, your blood through this cell separator thing that you have. And, they, um, and then they store your uh, stem cells, these baby blood cells, which have not matured yet. They store them. Uh, and they keep them for you, for and then you have the high dose chemo. So there's two types of high dose chemo. Anyone who's never had that kind of or known anyone that's had that thing before, there's there's the one that that puts your bone marrow kind of stops your bone marrow working, um, but it doesn't destroy your bone marrow. And then there's one that destroys it, which which is what leukemia patients have when they have bone marrow transplants. That the the chemo I had was this chemo that, is, that shuts down the um, the bone marrow and then you have to restart it with your own stem cells so i had that treatment in 2001 so i, I had this um, this thing called vapec b which was a chemotherapy regime which led up to the high dose chemo then i had the high dose chemo which was five days of some pretty grisly drugs uh and that shuts down you basically have no you you, you stop making blood basically um and then you wait, you have your stem cells and you wait for the, the neutrophils, which is these white blood cells and your white, your white cell count to come up, you know. And uh, yeah, I did, I was kind of in there after two weeks and three days, I got this reading that had gone from 0 0.1 to uh, 1.5 with 70% uh, neutrophils or something. And they were like, we might go home tomorrow. And uh, I did, I went home the next day, uh, pretty anemic and whatever, but I got home, you know. And then I was kind of at home, really staying out of contact with people for a good month or so. So it's a bizarre thing because at the moment it kind of feels very reminiscent to me of that time, you know, like having to be careful about being near around people. So I, I rang the hospital up anyway on Tuesday after I got home um, because I needed some clarification. It was kind of bugging me. You know, do I need to do I need to be, uh, you know, because I'm exercising this thing called social distancing. And uh, on Thursday, I got a call back 
from somebody that I have uh, long-term contact with there because um, I'm part of this thing called ADAPT now, which is a, a program where they look at people after after transplants and see how they see how they do in kind of normal life when they when they sort of go in and get into remission after 10 years. Um, well, it's kind of two things. Remission, you get remission hopefully immediately after treatment. That's the idea. And you, then you then you stay in remission. That's the, the idea behind it. You know? And I've been, you know, I, I got into my remission um, after I had my transplant. I had the radiotherapy. Now, the radiotherapy, annoyingly, for, for this, this thing that's going on at the moment, the radiotherapy I had was on my chest, around my trachea and sort of the top of my chest. Because the the main site of disease with the lymphoma I had was in my chest, you know, it was around my trachea, the glands around the trachea. Um, sorry, this is not supposed to be some kind of medical kind of podcast. It's supposed to be about drums, but um, it's just it's, it's kind of this the thing that's happened this week. This kind of thing with the story was I spoke to somebody at the hospital, and I wasn't very concerned about this virus, but then when I spoke to um, the, the lymphoma specialist nurse called Valerie Good, she's a, a, a superb human being. And uh, very reassuring and calm kind of person, you know, uh, but uh, very to the point, you know. And she said to me, you really need to, um, you need to think about who you come in contact with for the next three months, you know, next 12 weeks. Or while this virus kind of goes through its peak, you know, and comes down the other side or, you know, these things uh, now, they, it will have a peak now and it will come down, there, there will be like a, you know, a curve, so to speak, with the modelling because of the, you know, because of the way in which society has kind of withdrawn from each other from its normal activity. So there's there's the kind of modelling on no, nothing to be done and you're talking 1% of people would die, you know, which in, in a population of, it's just under 1%, I think. You know, 60-odd million people live in the UK. It would be around 500,000 people would most likely not survive an infection of this virus, you know. So, um, anyway, the figure's hopefully going to be very different than that because of the, the changes in, in, you know, in, in social kind of distancing. And so it's funny because the week I was told Thursday to social distance and then by Friday and Saturday we're all being told to social distance. So uh, it's kind of a funny thing where it's like, oh, right, okay, well... Uh, and he's been sensible with it. And she was very reassuring. You know, she was she was basically telling me what I already knew. She was just saying that, you know, you keep away, just keep a, a reasonable distance from people and wash your hands and just do all the normal things that you've been told on the news. There's nothing, you know, you need to do anything, any different. The main thing she was, she was very clear about was this thing is extremely infectious. Like things like the norovirus and stuff like that, which is also extremely infectious from touch, you know, from getting it off things that mainly that you know you touch your surface and it gets on your fingers and then you put your fingers in your mouth or you you, know, you rub your eyes or you you know you rub your nose or something or whatever and the other way obviously is if somebody's coughing and you breathe in their air or the other one that's the that's the most worrying i think for most people is is because you can get it from breath you know um and uh again just standing six foot, two metres or whatever away from somebody should be fine for that. So, yeah, it's been a funny old week. Um, and we moved all of our kind of teaching online. So at the end of this week, I was teaching um, some of my students that I should have been teaching on Tuesday. I've taught them on, on Thursday and Friday. And 
it kind of led me to the uh, the topic today because we had some really interesting conversations, a couple of my students, um, about staying motivated in at this time, you know. Um, and I was just... I was just kind of explaining to a couple of them. I was saying, like the, the the students that I have at college, they have they have these deadlines. You know, there's a mark in the sand, a line in the sand, or whatever you want to think about it. A marking time where they're going to do something that somebody's going to judge and put a mark against. You know, and uh, and so it's a real, it's really useful uh, thing of focus that in some respects. Um, but it also, I think sometimes we forget that it's also really got nothing to do with why we're into playing an instrument, you know, or doing whatever else we do. But um, we know this is talking about drums or music generally, or being this sort of self-motivation thing within playing an instrument, you know. And it can be quite an interesting time, something like this happening, which is really obviously unique, Um it's, there's, there's very few other situations where you would be uh, well enough to play, but society would not be uh, well enough to have you play. You know, the the, the, the fabrics of society, the, the norms of how we interact with each other are not, in a la- not allowing us to do what we normally do, you know. And uh, so we had a couple of really interesting conversations because I was basically saying that at the moment their position is like my position all the time, pretty much. Um, now, what I mean by that is when I'm playing the drums uh, myself, um, I mainly don't have any targets or deadlines, you know, or, or things that other people are asking me to um, to do for them, you know. Pretty much everything I do on the instrument for long periods is self-motivated you know i do them because i want to do them i do them because i want to get better i want to improve etc etc um but if i didn't do if i didn't do those things there'd be nobody kind of saying oh you're not doing your things you know why not why not working on that why not doing this why not you know doing those other things because the thing at the end of the day the people if if you're gigging and people are using you to gig um you kind of you know, you're good enough to do those things, you know. So therefore, in a way, it's very, very easy to just go, oh, that's fine, I'm I'm working musician, I'm gigging, people are asking me to play with them, they like what I do, I don't need to do anything else, I just need to basically keep match fit, you know. And there's two different things with, with practising um, the instrument or being at the instrument, um, it's... Managing that sort of the difference between those two states can be really challenging. I went through a long period um, in 2005, 2004, 2005, when I was playing a lot. Um, but I didn't really have much to show for it. And I wasn't practicing at all because I was so busy playing all the time. And basically, I was in a position where I was match fit really really match fit you know i was i was playing with a lot of different people doing a lot of different types of playing you know and i was really really um on top of my game in relation to playing but 
with practicing and, and like learning new things and pushing that envelope non-existent. And eventually, as predicted, I ran out of steam because I realized about myself was that I need that kind of motivation within myself in order to, to stay interested really in the instrument and not get kind of, you know, not, not sort of just get a bit bored and depressed of, of the same old thing, you know. And um, and so I kind of had to address that thing. It was a very interesting time for me working out a better balance with those, with those things. Um and then there's the thing of like what you know why would you practice anyway what are you trying to are you trying to play with better people are you trying to you know just be better and hopefully people will notice that are you, are you creating an online presence where you know practicing specific things in order to gain kind of attention and and to to you know doing chopsy things or whatever the world loves a, a chopsy vibe, doesn't it? You know, it's like these videos of people playing these fast chops, and it, that's what the sort of the thing that seems to get most of the hits. You know, and uh, if you're kind of motivated by that, then kind of practicing those things is quite easy because you have this um, this kind of end goal. It's a very simple end goal. I'm not saying it is easy to do, by the way. I'm just saying it's very easy to focus. Um, getting very, very, you know, getting very good at those kind of things and, uh, and whatever it takes a, a lot of skill and a lot of time. But it's it's a specific kind of goal, isn't it? You know. And so um, yeah. So anyway, today, not to go on about too many things, I'm actually going to talk about when, when I'm doing the actual the, the, the sort of the bulk of this content. Um, I was wanting to to talk about that kind of that situation that some people may feel like they're in at the moment about how to kind of stay motivated because um, I'm seeing a lot of things online. A lot of musicians that I know are all saying, "Oh, great! I can now, you know, I can now spend some time practicing," uh, and that's like you know, mega. Everyone's that kind of positive message is going out there. Now the trick is, or my worry. Um, and this is mainly for my own for my own students, but it may reach out to other people that I know. My worry is that people are going to get a bit depressed, you know, and maybe and feel a little bit socially isolated um, because you know the gigging culture thing. I've talked about this gig, the gigging life thing in one of my other podcasts. The gigging life thing for a lot of people is a social thing as well as a musical thing because you know music is social. Um, we you know, people forget that sometimes this obsession with the online culture and the video this and the YouTube that and the Instagram this and the Twitter this and the blah blah blah. It's like really, it's really happening when people are next to each other with each other, you know. And a lot of the musicians that I know are not online people; they are real life people. That's why I know them, because I know them in real life. I don't know them from online. Um, it's pretty obvious. So I kind of had this worry, a bit of a worry for um, for my fellow kind of music people that people are going to get a little bit isolated, a little bit depressed. And ultimately, that those two things could very easily lead to a thing of being of not being motivated, you know of losing motivation, of starting with this kind of euphoric, almost euphoric motivation. Oh, my God, I can actually just practice and not need to justify it to anybody, for instance. You know, oh, I can practice now because, 
you know, I can't go in to do my teaching in a school or something or, you know, whatever, and, and, and I can't do the online teaching. And maybe, you know, I've saved a bit of cash up and I can just not do it for two or three months. And and some people, that you know, the, the thought of, I mean, the amount of times that I talk to musicians that want to do that, and, and, and I've even thought about doing that. Um, I think I talked to one of the earlier podcasts about this guy who I know through somebody who stopped for a year, completely gave up to relearn foot technique, for instance, you know. Now, at the moment, we genuinely have an opportunity to do that. Um, It's just remembering in the background of all that euphoria is that we have an issue of lack of social connection you know we're not going to be able to see each other in the same way as we normally would and interact with each other in in the way we normally would for you know what could be three or even maybe four months you know um so that's kind of that's pretty kind of heavy really so one of the first things that i was uh trying to get across to a couple of my students is to just think about the fact that this time is going to be kind of like the time they're about to go into. So some of my students I have are, are about to graduate. You know, they're about to leave college and, and be, become what I already am, you know, or what a lot of us are, that are just musicians that are playing with people doing what we do. And we're not studying anymore with you know within an institution or whatever with a teacher we're just becoming self-motivated we are becoming self-learners and uh so i was saying to a few of them this is maybe a time to experiment with that as a thing because this situation isn't going to go on forever this 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 is not going to be a permanent thing i mean what even if it even if this thing lasted a year you know the the bottom line is science and technology or science particularly will move on it will find the vaccine you know and uh, people will have the vaccine that need the vaccine you know people are kind of more vulnerable older people and people who have got pre-existing health conditions all that kind of stuff will have the vaccine and things will return to normal now hopefully financially the world will be still in one piece that's the thing that i you know another thing that i really worry about as well of just the, the the kind of financial well-being of of of, um, of the of society and you know I remember in two thousand and eight um, there's a thing you know austerity and one of the things that happens with austerity is that you know music and things like that stop that actually wasn't the case uh, because I think people valued that almost more um, because other things were so crap you know. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm hoping as well, um, just when we come out to the other side of this, that, you know, absolutely hoping that the numbers of people that will um, get ill from this and possibly not survive it will be a lot, 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 lot lower than um, people fear for a start. Um, and secondly, that we still have, um, you know, a a gigging kind of circuit, a gigging life left that's, um, you know, that can be kind of rebuilt pretty quickly. Uh, we're pretty resilient things, humans, you know, and people love music. So, um, but anyway, if this thing 
you know, isn't going to go on forever. So I was saying to them, you know, basically you could experiment with this time as if it's the time beyond when you finish college just to see what it's like to have self-motivation. And the thing that was very interesting in the conversations was actually, I mean, I know this anyway because I'm teaching them, but the way they view a lot of the things that they're working on holistically, they don't view them to deadlines anyway. They view them as as personal development. They, they view them as things that are going to make them just better players, you know, and uh, are just helping them. Uh, oh, oh, and on the way, by the way, they're doing this recital or they're doing this or that or the other. They've got this project they've got to get assessed, you know, but all that stuff is kind of like a byproduct. And, it, and in my view, that's the way it really should be because I always say with students is that they leave with the ability to be able to be self-motivated and self-learners. They have enough information that they should understand and remember in order to be able to practice and develop their own vibe artistically, musically, practically, etc. for a good 10 years, you know. Um, but of course, they don't think about that, and why should they until they've left? And so it's kind of a unique opportunity at the moment for them to think about this as something that's kind of happening now, you know, uh, this is this is this is something they can be within, and then when things get back to normal, when um, when we reopen again, which um, which could be May or you know maybe um, we're, we're due to open April. Um, not sure at the moment, you know, in relation to where things are getting up to with the figures, whether that's going to be realistic. Um, but if if um, if it's not realistic, you know, it may be a month later and then things will just get put back a month. And then when we're back, people just, you know, people will come back together. The social side of it all will start again and people will refocus, you know. But it's almost like a, a sort of like a, a suspended animation, really, in a way. Um, but the key is, is to not get, um, disheartened or unmotivated by feeling sort of isolated, the isolation side of it, the non-social side of it. And that's that's the hardest thing. So people have to try and put things in place, I think, to make sure they communicate, you know, using, um, using when well, we've got some amazing things these days, haven't we, you know, FaceTime and Skype, and we use this thing at work called Teams, which we have to use for teaching and teams is posh skype isn't it um microsoft thing um whatsapp video calling you know all these different things is is i think where possible is to is to ring people on video don't just ring people on the phone you know ring so you can see somebody's face and, and just have a kind of you know have a bit of a vibe with them and then being sensible i mean the hospital was saying to me you know you Go out, go out walking and things. It's really good. It's just you just don't get too close to other people, but say hello to people. You know, I mean, it was a real tradition. I used to do a lot of walking uh, when I was a kid with my family, and also a few uh, number of years ago, I used to do a lot of walking. And there's a thing where you walk in the hills and you say hello to everybody that walks past you. You know, it's um, it's kind of you know that's that's what will happen now. I think when people are walking around and uh, having a little walk out in the street or whatever because I think it would maybe be quieter and, you know, just wave across the road to people or whatever. It would be nice, you know, because it's uh, just that social thing is really important. Um, 
But the thing about motivation is making sure that you have goals and making sure that the goals are realistic and that you understand if there are short-term and medium and long-term goals. And uh, I think at the moment, a lot of the things, because I've sort of made a decision, for instance, that I'm going to practice a few different things. I don't want to go into specifically what they are. It's a bit tedious. Um, But just then, and they're they're all, uh, actually, they're not all coordinational. They're mostly coordinational. There's a couple of technical things that I'm definitely going to be working on. But the thing that I've already noticed, because I've spent more time in this last week at the drums, because um, the thing that's nice about, because I'm teaching at home now, so I'm teaching remotely. So um, I've, I mean, I've had this set up before anyway, but um, I'm using it with this Microsoft Teams thing now. So it's a video thing, and it's the same with Skype and FaceTime and all that. And uh, it's... When I'm teaching at college... I'm not on a drum kit. I sit in the room with a student who's on the drum kit and I'm always uh, on a table. I've got like a table with a with a practice pad or, or a piece of foam or something and I'm always playing on that to demonstrate anything technically or whatever, but I'm not actually on the drums. And the thing this week that's been really nice about teaching in this way is I'm sat at the drum kit and I'm actually playing for the students, you know, as well, actually just on the on an instrument, which is great. Um, and I've already noticed, like, my playing just having a little bit more poise and a bit more focus about it technically, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, I've got, I've kind of got this motivation to uh, to do a number of things, and it's planning them out, basically. It's making sure that you uh, have... Uh, a good idea of what you expect out of out of each exercise, and just maybe keep like a little diary or something. You know, if you if you don't normally do that, because um, you know the moment, which is not normal circumstance. You know, we we're not we're not probably none of us are going to be in a situation where we come to the instrument to do some practice, and then we got to rush off to a gig or something. You know. That's not that's not going to happen at the moment. You know, it's not going to happen probably for a number of weeks, maybe longer. So um, you can sort of treat this time as as a time to to really like focus and and spend some time with some specific exercises that you can say actually, you know, I can spend I can spend four hours on this today, and I can have little breaks, and I can go, you know, go outside and stretch my legs, look at you know a little bit of sunshine, and then come back inside and carry on, and then have this short-term goal of I want to get these twenty, these twenty exercises. I want to get them done today. I want to either learn them, or I want to feel like I'm practicing them uh, at a higher tempo, or I'm practicing them with a more complex metronome setting like a skip beat metronome setting or a a polyrhythmic metronome setting you know um, if you need any kind of tips on that you can go back there's a podcast uh, about time and metronome that I did a number of weeks ago um, which quite a lot of people have enjoyed and uh, said some nice things about and it's just got some interesting ways of using the metronome on there and 
And I have a very specific... Oh, sorry about that. It's kicking the microphone stand. I have a... I have a kind of specific set of rules for metronome practice, and I, and I generally advise this to my students. Not all of them take the advice, and, and some people don't need to. But I have three stages. I mean, I've said this in the other podcast while now I've started saying it. I might as well just you know just go over it again. When I'm learning something new, I put the metronome on in on the in the simplest and clearest way, and as I as I learn something and get better at something, the, the metronome is the thing that almost becomes more complex than the exercise itself. Um, so sometimes, like practicing something like faster, uh, I might start to then practice it slow with a different metronome setting. For instance, you know what I'm saying? So if I'm doing some sort of thing where the speed is important, but then I'm then I'm wanting to... Uh, also work on it just with this more complex metronome setting, with this polyrhythmic metronome setting, for whatever reason, then I'll normally do that slower because I know that I find uh, slower tempos more challenging than fast tempos. You know, I, I tend to... There's some slower tempos that I find hard. You know, I have a thing about 81 BPM for some reason. 80, 82... It's fine. But 81, don't know. Just It pulls me either way. So I uh, f- try and find those tempos and then uh, and then find whatever the polyrhythmic setting is for that, you know. So, so that can be uh, something that's kind of useful. Um, just having those clear goals. Uh, and then some of the things is just that thing of remembering, you know, that this thing isn't going to go on forever and that we're going to be back gigging again. And and so another thing that can be really useful with motivation at this time is to be thinking about projects, you know, thinking about writing some music or just thinking about people that you're really wanting to work with. And this might be a time to sort of reach out, you know, and, and uh, speak to those people and say, yeah, I've wanted to do something for a while and would you be interested in working together? And, you know, I want to kind of, I want to start writing this kind of music or I've listened to your music or the music. I know that we're into the same kind of music. And maybe just get into a thing where you're motivating each other by sharing those kind of ideas, you know, by sort of sharing uh, that inspiration to want to get that project off the ground when um, when things, you know, return to sort of normality. Um, and then you've got some other goals, then, haven't you? Because you've got the sort of material, the drum parts and the material goals. And uh, and again, it's just setting yourself some some little boundaries for motivation, you know, because sometimes... It can be. Uh, I mean, I know I've I've really struggled with this in the past, where I just I just flip from one thing to another, and I'm so kind of like think, yeah, I've got all this time to do this, I've got all this time to do that, and I can do this and I can do that, and I end up sort of doing very little. I just end up messing around with things and sort of de- delving into things in a really kind of superficial way, you know. And uh, I think actually, this is maybe a time to um to sort of structure things so that you know that definitely doesn't happen um 
because basically we're not in a hurry, are we? You know, if you think about it, whether we like it or not, the situation at the moment means that. Um, I mean, I haven't got anything in the diary gig-wise. Something I was, I'm maybe doing at the end of June, and in the middle or end of July, which is still in the book. Um, now, whether they happen or not, I don't know. But they're the first things that are in my diary, you know. And it's it's the twenty second of March, <laughs> so April, May, June. It's at least three months. So, like, so playing-wise, you know, I'm not going to be rehearsing with anybody in that time. There's not, there's not, I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm going to be able to do. Um, so it's just down to me and the instrument. It's down to me finding some things to do and uh, maybe sort of re-evaluating where I'm, where I'm up to with certain things. Uh, but the thing that, the thing that I feel very positive about, um, because I, you know, I don't. This thing isn't going to go on forever. So the thing I feel very positive about is that I'll come out of this playing wise stronger, you know. And it's it's like remembering that as well. Um, if you're not feeling at the moment like that's the case, you know, is that definitely will be the case. It's just that thing of each day, just focus day to day of like, oh, I've got this thing to do today, I've got this to do today, I'm just going to practice this today, tick the things off, you know, be video yourself, I video myself playing obsessively and watch it back and, you know, uh, I used to save everything, I've just gone through a huge cull, I just deleted like 150 gig of stuff, a lot of it's just, because I, I, I record these, I write pieces and then I'll, um, I'll use those pieces as things to practice. So I'll be quite specific. I, I mentioned this before, but I will video all of them and I will keep all of them. Yeah, and I, I don't watch them all. Um, I normally watch the, the the ones that are early on that where things are not great. I probably watch about twenty seconds of them, and, and there's nothing there's nothing that's happening when I'm watching it. That I didn't know when I was playing it, you know. Um, it's the stuff where things start to come together and I'm starting to get into a bit of a groove with something or I'm starting to understand something or I'm starting to play something simpler, actually. A lot of the time I start out with things too complicated. But those are the videos that I watch, you know. They're the ones that I go, oh, actually, that was... By, by being more clear, more clear, <laughs> by, by being clearer... <laughs> <laughs> more clear you just clear or you're not clear aren't you so i there's i i hate double the double positives thing and i go in about all the time and they've just done a great one more clear by by being clearer uh or just being clear with my playing um it's really interesting where you don't have that confidence sometimes in just playing something clearly you know and and, and uh in its simplest form now you know, that means that the something that you're playing may not be simple. But everything that's complicated as it has the simplest form it can be, you know, uh, within any kind of structure, um, in, in anything, if you think about engineering or something, you know, they may have a very complex electronics, a very complex circuit, but that thing has a fundamental, doesn't it, you know? It's the same in our playing. I was practicing something yesterday 
and it was I kept getting this thing, and I've wrote this thing ages ago, and he, and, I, and I'd kind of got pretty good at it ages ago, and I've not practiced it for ages, and I decided I wanted to go back to it and practice it slower, so I slowed it down, and there's a bit in it where there's these act, there's these kind of uh, things that are in the bass and the keyboards, and and uh, there's a bit of an organ thing in there as well, and whatever, and some percussion. And it's a thing where on beat three, on beat three, on the second sixteenth note, second semiquaver, it does this thing where it does the second semiquaver, and then it, it's six, um, six semiquavers, six sixteenth notes. It, it basically is three accents with groupings in groupings of six, and then there's an then there's an eleven uh, beat thing till the next one. So you got this Okay. So you've got this thing where I need to be playing with it a group of six, group of six, group of six, and then I've got eleven beats, which is a which is a six and a five, isn't it? You can think of it as five and a six or whatever you want to whatever you want to do. But I, I think of it I generally think of eleven as um as a group as six and five and it's either uh two lots of three and then a two and a three or three lots of three and a two that's my regular way of thinking of uh 11 oh the other one is 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 like four four plus a three eight that kind of thing you know but generally I'm thinking that's how I'm thinking of eleven generally, and so I've got those kind of four those sorry those three options within that space, and I was practicing this thing and I wasn't getting it right, you know, and uh, and what I was doing was I was trying to play because I sort of played this thing months and months and months and months ago, probably over a year ago actually when I wrote it. And it's a thing I call Rhythm Trainer, it's called. Uh, it's this sort of piece in two sections. One is it's got this compli- slightly complicated thing in this intro section. Then it goes into a very straight, like 4-4 four, four thing, groovy with a, with, a, with, a, with a normal time and a half time feel thing. And at the end, it goes into a... It goes into something where you can basically play uh, in five, in fives, five sixteen, five. You know, um, that kind of feel. You know, like a kind of five thing, five thing, man. So cool. Um, yeah. So because I come back to this thing and slowed it down, I was just making this assumption that I knew what I was doing with it, and actually I realised that I wasn't really that on it. So I was I was watching some videos of it yesterday, uh, me practicing it, and the latter ones, where I was being more uh, just simpler, clearer with that section where it's the sixes and then the eleven, where I was just playing them as they are, not trying to be like cool and interesting and do some crazy thing, polyrhythmic thing or some sort of fill or whatever. Just playing the blooming subdivision well, you know, and, and making it groovy was was the most effective when I watched it back, you know. 
Uh, and to be honest with you, I kind of knew that when I was watching it, really, in my heart of hearts. I was thinking that, I was thinking maybe some of the interesting things I was doing were going to be kind of cool, but they were just a bit crap, really. Um, because they're coming from a place of essentially bullshit, if you pardon my English there, but, you know, it's a bit blaggy. I think the with stuff like that, I definitely need to nail it before I start moving on to things that are more kind of like interesting or whatever because I need to understand it and it's just a thing of understanding the space you know because time is space isn't it from one point to another things can happen within any subdivisional thing that you want them to you know now if you're playing funk that's probably not going to be a great approach to funk you know you probably want to be just locking in to the common subdivision of the groove that everybody's feeling. I, I think being, you know, being rhythmically sophisticated in funk is not very funky. Um, and you're not going to get, you're not going to come back and do the gig, probably. So they're going to get somebody else who's just going to be funky laying it down, you know. But if you're playing music that's more challenging than that rhythmically, like it's, you know, it's got kind of, it's moving through different divisions within the same pulse, then you're really dealing with this thing of, you know, of space is time, point to point and subdivision. So if you think about Indian classical tradition, for instance, which I don't know a lot about, I know a little bit about it, but this idea of, you know, you get the... Um, the melodeon or whatever's playing the that scale like the, the rag thing and it's got it's just you've got there listening to the tabla player who's playing all these different subdivisional gears between each notes you know uh so there's this there's there's things that are certain beat cycles and then in that there's the different divisions that the player can kind of basically get in and it's a really it's like kind of you know it gets really really fast and it's kind of groupings of 10 or groupings of you know 15 or 20 or things move move up in different whatever they are you know uh, i don't really know much more about it than this but the point being is that it's not a bar line culture it's a note to note culture where you're dealing with different divisions from note to note almost you know so it's like that thing of, you know, space, time and space are, are the same as each other for drummers. And uh, I know that if I want to enjoy the space, then I need to understand what's going on with the time, you know. Um, it, I definitely, it definitely, it's not the other way around for me. I, I can't really understand the space without knowing, knowing what's going on with the time, you know. So... Um, so stuff like that's really interesting. And so I was kind of thinking, that's what I'm going to really get down over the next few weeks because, of you know, I mean, we're in no hurry to get anywhere. I mean, I'm never in any hurry to get anywhere anyway with my own practice. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, my view actually, and I, and I kind of view this in all my teaching and I'd say this to anybody, is that we're in, we're in no hurry to get anywhere other than doing something well, you know and uh, doing something where we feel like we understand it. Uh, I, I, I think in, in a kind of brain science thing, in a plasticity of the mind, in a, in a neural sense, I, I don't know whether you can really rush that process, you know. We all have different uh, ways that we learn, and our brains 
you know, no, no two brains are the same, as they say. And uh, so you've got to learn how quickly you absorb things and how, how quickly things become part of your playing. And I used to say years ago, and I think I've said this previously um, in one of the other uh, episodes, but I, I used to have this kind of three-month window. I used to say, it takes me three months to be able to do anything that I've practiced properly and be able to just it should just come out in my playing on a gig without me thinking about it. That used to be my my view. Um, and I was actually wrong about that. Uh, some things don't take that long and some things take longer. Um, it just depends on what they are. Um, and it's not even... It's not even things that are simpler. It's just different things. And uh, I I don't know exactly why. <laughs> but one thing I think that is true about it is it I think some of it's to do with what we what we're really interested in fundamentally. I think uh you know, I, I know about myself that if I get set a task to do that I'm interested in. I'll do it. Uh, I mean, I'll do it without even probably being asked, but yeah, it may be not something I'm aware that I need to do. But the one really good way to, to, to get me motivated is to find things that I'm interested in. It's not that I'm any good at them. It's just what, that I'm interested in them, you know. Um, so it's kind of that thing of of some things that I practice I know I'm more interested in them than other things, but some things I know I need to get down because of X, Y, or Z, you know. And it gets into that kind of psychology of needs and wants thing a little bit, you know. I want to be able to do this thing, but I need to be able to do that thing. And uh, the interest thing is the want, feels like the want thing. It's not, not always, because, I, you know, the, I get I'm more inspired these days by things that I need to do than I want to do. Um, the things that I really want to do be, uh, kind of become less and less because because I'm kind of getting better and know more. I, I'm realizing I've got more and more I need to do, and I'm less and less kind of in this world of um, of sort of self denial of of oh everything's great and it's all going to be fine, you know. Uh, I kind of feel that less and less these days. I'm more more of a realist than I've ever been, which is, you know, I think, is a good place to be. Um, I feel more motivated by that. I feel like I can be kind of closer to the to the person that I want to be, and I don't have to be thinking I'm going to be like someone else or I'm trying to be someone else. I'm just realizing that you know, if I can be more like myself, that's a good thing, you know, and have that kind of confidence in in myself. And so at this time, I would like maybe consider all that stuff and really appreciate like you've got this thing that you can do on your own, which is mega, you know, and it's uh, a thing that if you really work hard on it and do the right things, you will always be better. And that's what's great about it. it you will always be better. And if you can like evaluate where you are now in your playing and just think, I've got this opportunity, three, two, three, four months, whatever this thing, however long this thing's going to go on um, in relation to sort of, you know, the socialising side of what we do. Um, 
is that you've got an opportunity. We've all got an opportunity to to look at where we are now and what we can develop by that point, you know. And uh, doing that day to day is and just working on things day to day and videoing them, having that archive and making just little like simple plans, you know, little kind of steps. Just oh, I'm going to do these things today. I'm going to do these things today. I'm just going to do these things today. You know, I I had two goals today. I was doing this um this paradiddle diddle exercise thing in different subdivisions with the hi hat on two and four. And uh but it's not just paradiddle diddle, it's actually a group of eight. But the the, the the sticking in the hand is is right, left, right, right, left, left, and then it's two feet, foot, foot. So it's just an eight it's an eight note grouping thing. It's not complicated at all. Um, but it was I was moving it through different gears and just trying to keep the hi-hat going on two and four, you know. So I was practicing it, first of all, with a metronome on all four beats of the bar because I kind of realized that what I would have done in the past was I would have just hammered my head against the wall trying to keep this thing against the two and the four and the hi-hat, and that's, like, not the way to do it. So what I needed to do at first was understand the space, and the space is in the time so i was like i put the metronome on four beats of the bar and i played the two just the two first divisions that i wanted to move between so one was quavers and then it was triplets for instance it's very simple um the one i want to practice tomorrow at some point if i get a chance I've got a lot of teaching tomorrow monday but i might have a gap um i'm probably it's probably more likely to happen on wednesday and again you know, I'm not in any hurry here because there's nothing going on. So on Wednesday, even if it's Wednesday at the latest, which will be fine, I want to go quavers to quintuplets or fives to triplets, you know. So going from the four to five to the six with the metronome staying on two and four, which, um, which may not sound complicated to some of you, but is uh, it, it is quite complicated for me um, and to not rush. So I was just practicing, the first thing I was just practicing was the the, the groupings of four, or the, the quavers, eighth notes, to the triplet eighth notes, triplet quavers, okay? And just going between those two things with the metronome or four beats of the bar without without the left foot playing the hi-hat. This is really important for me because I was just getting clear in my head what the two different, the feel of the two different things. Because in this exercise, there's, there's two different values, which is not no big deal, you know. Quavers to triplets, wow, 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 we, wow, <laughs> not not complicated. But for me, there's a coordinational thing because there's this two these these two things happening in the feet at the end of the pattern. Now, when it's in the quavers, it was easy because it was just lining up with the hi hat, and but then when it went into the triplets. It was lining up differently with the hi-hat. And I was really getting into that today, you know. And I was just enjoying that exercise today. Really simple exercise, but really just enjoying um, understanding where the bass drum was working and lining up with the hi-hat. Because the thing, I, like my own my own personal development, is, is that I don't have great foot coordination between, well, with the feet, like my my right foot and left foot 
I don't like to play at the same time. And then my left foot really doesn't like my bass drum playing after it. So you get like the feet together and then a right foot, you know. It, um, oops, sorry, kicking the microphones down again there. Um, so if I'm playing the two feet together, left and right feet together, and then playing the right foot afterwards, that in isolation is easy. But when I start putting that into more complicated patterns and that kind of thing is happening in the feet, then I, I always find that tricky. So I'm always trying to find exercises that address that, you know. And, uh, yeah, at the moment, it's like I've got some time to be able to work on that now and not have to, you know, worry about um, any deadlines for anything. But as I've said before, I don't have them anyway. But I think that there's probably many people out there that feel like they do have deadlines for certain things. And it's like... Just enjoy not having the deadline. Just get into, just get into the vibe of of something, you know, and really kind of appreciate what it is. Appreciate the kind of exercise, and uh, think about projects, reaching out to new people, or um, or just reestablishing an energy within a project you've got going, which is maybe has been going on for a while and um, there's not been an opportunity to just have a break from it. Now there's an enforced break from it. So this maybe is an opportunity to look at material or, you know, look at your own drum parts and maybe evaluate whether they're kind of on the money or not or whether they've drifted away from where they were, you know, um, those kind of things. But it's just that thing of making sure, it's really important that uh, we communicate with each other at this time. You know, make sure that people are still communicating and using all the mediums that we have. This amazing world that we have now, where we can, you know, talk on on video for free uh, and just be able to communicate and see people's faces, have proper conversations, and feel like you're in the room with someone. Um, you know, and just all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, go make a cup of coffee while you're talking to someone on a video thing or whatever. Just, you know, be normal and try and make things feel as normal as possible. Um, see daylight, go for walks, you know, you have the fresh air and things as much as you can. Um, you know, I know hopefully things in the UK, I, I mean, I think they will. I think people are quite a little bit selfish i think i think people don't quite realize what the what the thing behind this is a lot of people think well I'll, you know if i get ill it won't matter you know because i'm fine but it's, it's not really about that it's about passing it on to someone who maybe not won't be fine or it's just that thing of like our health all of our health services in the world all countries even the best in the world which i believe you know the uk has an amazing health service and like Italy, look at Italy. They've got an amazing, amazing facilities and amazing doctors and nurses and you know, practitioners and everything. It's just sheer numbers, you know. It's just a thing of 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 like in the UK, the um, the statistic for people that die of the flu is about eight thousand a year. Eight thousand a year. So you know, like. This is on another scale from that. And this is happening in weeks. So, you know, it's just the inconvenience for us all is is horrendous and it's a nightmare and all those things. Um, 
but it's enforced. And I think maybe things maybe will get down to a more of a, a sort of lockdown if people don't adhere to social distancing, you know, because the thing will spread, it'll still spread. But we can make a massive difference if we do social distance. I know some people over in Hong Kong, I don't know if any of you are listening, hello if you are, but I was talking to an ex-student uh, over there and he was saying that they were kind of not used to it, but they, you know, they're more set up because they've had it before. And they do, they, they have ways that they do social distance and they've managed to control this thing very well. In I mean, I went to Hong Kong last year and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the size of um, like apartment. You know the buildings that have uh, flats in them, apartments. They're absolutely enormous, thousands of windows. You know, and people living and you know nice, nice places to live. But just like the, just the scale of it in, in the UK, we have nothing that's comparable. And when I went to Shanghai in 2014 and Beijing, I just remember being extremely tired getting off the plane 7.30 in the morning in Shanghai. I've been flown for 12 hours from Germany and just been really disorientated. I don't, I'm, not a great, I'm not a great sleeper when I travel. I don't sleep at all. And so I, you know, it was a long, long flight, and then I was like a day, it's eight, eight hours ahead or whatever. I was like completely disorientated. It's similar when I went to Hong Kong. I was really disorientated. I'm, I'm a ter- I get terrible jet lag. Really, really, really awful. Going that way, um, the other way is fine because it's that thing of you have, you get some time back and you just get more tired and go to sleep. But going forward and being thrust into the next day of something when you're already like just all over the shop and that kind of thing of it being more than eight eight and eight or more hours I just really struggle with, you know. But I just remember driving from the airport and just seeing like just mile after mile after mile after mile of these kind of um apartment buildings, you know. Just thousands and thousands and thousands of them, you know. And yet they manage to contain these things. You know, Hong Kong, they've contained it very well. And there's 7 million people in Hong Kong. I think it's a tiny little place, really, if you think about it. Um, great place, lovely people and brilliant food. Food's amazing, particularly. But just that thing of they managed to contain it. Well, we have no excuse in the UK, I don't think, you know. But maybe we're too late. We've been too lax. I don't know. I really, you know... Um, send my positive vibes out to the people of Italy at the moment. It's been really, really tough there um, and doesn't seem to be getting any better at the moment. So, you know, we've all got to kind of do our bit, all do our bit and um, play our part. And it's not, you know, actually it's not a huge price to pay if we can get this thing, you know, the, the, the more we exercise these rules the quicker things will be back to normal and um yeah hopefully um people will have that respect for each other so um anyway that's kind of it this week um so i hope you know i wish you well and um if you want to drop me a line draw me underscore dave at instagram on instagram not at, at instagram just at drummy underscore Dave and it's D-R-U-M-M-I-E underscore Dave on Instagram or drummy D at gmail.com it's just the same D-R-U-M-M-I-E-D drummy D 
Drummy, uh, short for Drummy Dave, of course. Drummy at gmail.com, just to say hello. Um, and yeah, I wish you all the best. Stay motivated, stay focused. Um, share your stuff online. Just do whatever you need to do. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice thing if if you can find online. If you can find like somebody, like a partner or a group of kind of accountability, they call it, don't they? I remember years ago, a very a good old friend of mine was losing weight, and what he was doing was he was posting pictures of himself every day as an accountability thing you know it was i mean it's also a great diary thing because you can see the progress that you're making but he was doing it as an accountability thing because he was kind of showing people i'm making this commitment to losing weight you know and you could do the same online just reach out to some people around you maybe you know on instagram or facebook or something and just say you know i'm trying to stay motivated i'm trying to do this thing do you want to share some stuff every day uh, or every week, you know, um, maybe setting those slightly longer deadlines keeps you motivated. Uh, I think the daily thing, people can fall off the daily thing very quickly um, uh, or maybe do the daily thing and then then start to make the deadline slightly longer just to sort of stretch it out. You know, daily thing becomes a two daily thing, becomes a three daily thing, becomes a weekly thing, you know, whatever works for you. But I think sometimes it's quite nice to just, you know, we've got time at the moment. We've possibly got 11, 12 weeks. We don't know, you know. And so you could maybe think, well, for two weeks we'll do daily, then we'll move to a two daily, then we'll move to a three daily. And already by that time we're five weeks into this thing, you know. So, um Anybody that wants to do that, drop me a line. Um, I'm just here in the shed as usual. I'm teaching Monday, Tuesdays. I'm teaching pretty much all day because I've got two days, basically four, two full days of teaching with my with my work at college. You know, the rest of the time I'm, I'm you know doing all the, the managing stuff and the academic stuff and whatever. Um, it's pretty busy at the moment, trying to sort of change, doing a lot of changes to assignment deadlines and, and people tweaking assignments and stuff just to make it so. It's kind of fairer for the students, um, but in the middle of all that, I'm, I'm you know I'm always I'm always doing my kind of inverted commas research, you know, for my teaching and my, my practice and stuff, and it's all part of my job. So there's definitely time in the day, um, and certainly in the evenings as well to be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, I am trying at the weekends to uh, to not do music. Actually, um, that's the other thing I've kind of decided to do i mean not exclusively but really like like today i, I mean i've done this today because i was going to do this on friday but I just didn't have time uh, but actually i thought now nah, i'm just gonna just gonna do it on sunday evening um i'm gonna go and have my tea in a minute and uh but like today i've just you know been out been out and about and uh been you know burning things basically <laughs> on the allotment burning wood and um and dead um artichoke plants actually big massive um artichoke plants that, uh, from last year burnt them today and loads of wood so i've been doing that and yesterday i just was just in the garden and 
doing some we we doing some stuff in we've got a greenhouse here at home uh, needed cleaning out it's a hideous job so rebuilding rebuild, all the shelves I, I like doing practical things like that they're, they're good for my mental health um uh, you know when things are normal and, and i'm busy with music because music can be a little bit kind of or it can be sort of it can take over everything a little bit and so i have my kind of driving hobby which so i haven't driven a car since tuesday it's sunday now which is very unusual for me um and so i've got the the, the, the driving hobby the track day thing which may still go ahead in the middle of all this because it's, it's a very you know, it's a, it's a kind of pastime where it's in big open spaces and, you know, and uh, people generally, uh, you can stay away from people very easily if you want to. You can be very antisocial on a track day very, very easily. You just do your own thing in your little space. Um, but there's also the sort of thing of I like, I like fixing things, you know, and doing stuff like that, practical things. So I was doing a lot of that yesterday. So the kind of thing is setting some days to do stuff like that and hopefully people can still get out of the house and go into their gardens if you've got a garden they really appreciate i mean i'm so appreciative of the garden we have now i've just been thinking without this garden and this space things that i would be it would be tougher so uh, make the most of all those things if you've got it or or if you you know walking definitely get out and walk at the moment if you can it's good for the headspace it'll help you focus and stay motivated when you're back back in the back in the shed in inverted commas when you're shedding away on, on the instrument. So, um, and most of all, uh, please keep safe, keep well, and uh, look after yourselves. So uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.